Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week, I'm really, really excited. Um, we're going to talk with Simon Baker. Uh, Simon is a fishing guide uh, in the beautiful, beautiful town of Dryden, Ontario. Um, one of my favorite part, uh, places in the whole wide world. That area, um, to me, has kind of, when I was growing up, uh, Northern Ontario kind of defined what adventure was. Uh, it was my first experience back in in the wilderness, quote unquote. Um, and Simon uh, is someone my dad met last summer. Uh, Simon guided my dad on a fishing trip. And my dad, for probably like months now, was like, you have to interview this dude for your podcast. He is fascinating. He is awesome. Um, he just has a really cool uh, perspective um, about the world. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Um, I've learned long ago to listen, like actually listen to my dad, you know, after the teenage years where you want to rebel. <laughs> um, and so when he has suggestions, I'm like, definitely. Um and so uh, a few weeks ago, I called Simon up and, you know, to like kind of plan like when we could possibly do the podcast. And we just had an awesome conversation uh, on the phone. And I was like, man, I know this episode is going to be great uh, because this dude is he's just really well spoken. Um, he's had a really, really interesting life leading leading him to to follow this passion of, uh, of fishing and uh, this passion of being in the wilderness. Um, and kind of like in a weird way, like connecting with the earth on like a deeper level when you're out in the middle, in the middle of nature, in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes, um, we also talk about just how kind of, Simon has this whole concept of leadership through conversation and and it makes a lot of sense like when he's out there guiding people he's talking with them he's he's trying to understand them trying to understand uh their perspective and um and I think there's something to be said about conversations while doing something like fishing Right. Like what are those activities that we do as humans um, that kind of like open us up to the to new ideas that open us up to um, being open minded? You know, um, fishing might be one of them. You're sitting next to someone. You're out in this peaceful environment and you're just talking. Uh, I've done this. I've I this is one of the reasons why I really like hiking when I go hiking with somebody and you're spending hours and hours and all day just walking through this beautiful landscape and you're just bouncing ideas off one another. Um, it's, it's really cool. And I think, uh, I think that's like a huge concept here. Um, so let's just get right into it. I'm very proud of this one. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 298 with Simon Baker. Last year, my dad uh, and his girlfriend went fishing 
uh, up in Northern Ontario and they had a guide and my dad came back and instantly, Simon, he was telling me about you. He's like, dude, this guy was so cool. Like <laughs> he was so cool and such a good guide and all this stuff. Uh, you have to interview him for the podcast. So, so yeah, so I'm honored to welcome Simon Baker to the show. Hi. Um, well, that's a uh, place with the intro. That's really kind of you to say. Yeah, I, I, I had a, I'm still friends uh, with your dad's partner. Yeah. Um, um, obviously still friends with your dad too, but we connected a few times on uh, Facebook. Uh, we just, I mean, we spent four or five, four days together, I think. Okay. And, uh, we did a, a few off the beaten track um, trips as well. And yeah, you know, it's just great when you meet people and uh, especially when it's your job and it made my job really easy and it was really fun. And, you know, people that share your passion aren't usually that difficult to get along with. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I'm feeling extra pressure right now, Simon, cause I know my dad's going to listen to this one, you know, <laughs> you know how that is. And I'm like, Oh man, I, I'm gonna, I gotta like make it awesome. So, uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm very curious though. I have to share this story. I remember fishing with him when I was like, in high school, like Canada going up there has always kind of been like a bonding experience between me and him. Uh, and I remember one time I was probably like in ninth grade and I ended up catching like a Northern pike and it was pretty big. I can't remember exactly how big it, big it was, but it was a pretty big Northern pike. Like one of the bigger fish we caught that trip. And you know how it is, man, the boats like covered in slime and all this stuff from them. <laughs> and nice. Yeah, it smells so bad. Um, and anyway, so we like have like one of those old timey video cameras recording it. And and then all of a sudden, like an hour later, my dad catches a big northern pike. And so he's holding it up and he's talking to the video camera as I'm recording it. And he has to mention just like, hey, yeah. He's like, oh, Chris caught one an hour ago. This one's a little bit bigger, though. And then he had to mention that. And I was like, oh, classic fishing thing that's happening, you know? Yeah, well, he's kind of competitive. But, you know, <laughs> he had to show some humility on the on the trip there because I think Pam outfished him completely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. You're in trouble, man. You're in trouble. Um. Dude, I got to So I want to start with like learning your backstory and like what led you to what you do now, which is, you know, guide all sorts of people on these fishing trips in Ontario. Like, I, I just kind of want to hear like about where what led you there? Like, what was your journey like? Well, I mean, it wasn't planned, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not complaining. Uh, so a lot of people uh, that I meet, especially in our small town here in Dryden, Northwest Ontario, woo, big up Dryden, yeah, Dryden. Um, think I'm Australian, but uh, that's not correct. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually Canadian. I was born here 55 years ago, um, but we didn't stay long. And I, I lived in, oh man, we lived in a stone cattle shack in the Alps in Italy. I uh, went to learn to read and write in Dutch before I could read and write in English because I went to school in Holland, uh, went to school in England again. I think we came back to Canada and then we finally moved to England in 1975. 
And the only interruption I had between 75 and 2007, and when I moved here, was a two-year period in uh, Stockholm in Sweden. So I went to school there. I can still speak Swedish a little bit. Isn't that incredible? You got to hit me with one, one sentence in Swedish right now. Yeah, älskar at fiskar. I love fishing. That's in line with you right there. Um, um, so yeah, so I lived all over the world, um, and I, I feel very privileged to have done that. Gives you a really excellent uh, sort of um, how can I say it worldview, if you like. I'm I'm fairly open minded. Um, so I lived in England, went to school, went to university, um, did all the things that adolescents do, get in trouble, and da da da. And finally settled on the southwest coast of England in about 1995. Um, I met my wife online. So this was like before internet was really a thing. (laughs) So we were pioneers, man. We were pioneers. (laughs) Um, She has to be crazy. She's one to marry me, and also because she jumped on a plane after we'd only been speaking for about three months and came and met me at the airport where, in my home country. Where where was she from? She's from Canada. So, okay. <laughs> so there we are in England, um, and she moved over eventually to England, and we spent about seven years there. I bought a house. Um, she was kind of uh, ticked at that because we were meant to move to Canada sooner than we did Uh, but I couldn't pass up the chance the time was right so she ended up coming to England Um, and then one year what we do is I we travel and see her dad every other year who was still in Canada just outside of London Ontario and that's I that's pretty ironic right if you're in England and then you're going to London Ontario yeah (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, I wasn't in London at that point, but London, Ontario is an interesting place because all the places have, have got these uh, matching names to English landmarks and stuff. <laughs> Even the river that goes through London, England is the Thames. And so the river going through London, Ontario is also called the Thames. What? No way. Yeah, They're yeah. not creative whatsoever no. naming that. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of kind of weird. Uh Anyway, we 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 um, we came we we visit her dad, and then every couple of years while we were living in England, and then one year her dad, so her her dad's brother, so her uncle, moved retired, and he moved up to Dryden, Northwest Ontario. The reason why he moved to Dryden, Northwest Ontario, is because his daughter, so my wife's, what's that cousin? Is it? Yeah. I guess so. His cousin um, married a local guy when they were at university in Sault Ste. Marie, which is kind of halfway between where I am and halfway between Toronto, the area her uncle was from. Yeah. Uh, So the year that we were meant to come up to visit her dad in London, Ontario, she made the arrangement to say, hey, why don't you, we do one week down in London and then you would absolutely love where my uncle's moved to. And that way you get to go fishing because i've heard it's really good and my dad gets to visit his brother so we're like yeah cool yeah yeah so we came out she wasn't wrong i loved it um (laughs) and we were kind of joking still when we left that oh wouldn't it be cool because her uncle had a place on the lake here and we were kind of oh wouldn't that be cool to have a place on the lake and we were still joking about it a month after we got back so this is around 
so this is around August. So I said, well, look, just, just for shits and giggles, let's have a look and see how much our house is worth. And we were like, holy man, we could actually, and we had a look at a bit, you know, a few real estate options in the area. We were like, man, we could sell our house and buy a place on the lake. Oh. I would much rather bring my child up outside of an urban center yeah. because that's where I was always happiest than in some random small town in Southwest England, which is beautiful, but it's still, you know, it's not even a real city. It's the yeah. worst of both worlds, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so we, we, you know, by, we looked at it and before we knew it, uh, so this was like, we came over in September September the 30th, I remember it because everyone was telling us how cold it was in Canada in the winter. So I got off the plane with about 45 sweaters on and it was plus 30 at Winnipeg <laughs> Airport. Yeah, uh, just sweating up a storm. Sweating, absolutely sweating. So we come over and we did a whistle stop tour of the, a couple of properties around here. And we found one. Um, I wasn't in love with the house, but it came with nine acres and it was on the lake. And I was like, you know what? Well, I don't know any other chance in my life that I'm going to get to have nine acres of property on a oh, lake. Yeah. Oh. Full of fish. Oh, dude. <laughs> so we were like, you know what? Let's do it. I don't care if I have to work in Walmart because I'll, I could, you know, nothing, not there's anything wrong with working at Walmart and never say never, but, you know, let's just do it. So, yeah, did it. Probably the most stressful. <laughs> Three months of my life. I don't know if you've ever bought or sold a house. It's horrendous. Um, oh, it's yeah, it's no fun. And uh, like, I mean, I have to imagine moving that far of a distance too is just insanity. You know what I was most panicked about is because I tapped my mom up for a bridging line. <laughs> I said, Mom, you don't happen to have a thousand lying around. And she was like, Actually, I do. And I was like, No way. And you'll lend it to me. And she was like, Yeah. So yeah. I was just panicked that I could be able to pay her back. And yeah. it all went well. It all went well. And here we are. And so we got here no uh, February 2007. And the last time we landed, it was uh, plus 30. This time it was minus 32. What a difference. So I'll have to say you have to embrace the weather up here because yeah. it is what it is. You yeah. know, otherwise, I, don't move here. If you can't do winter, don't move here. All right. Give me some tips about how to like embrace a Canadian winter then. Like, what do you like? You have to expect like sunlight, not as you know, you're not going to see sunlight as much. It's going to be freaking cold. Like, how do you embrace that? Dress warm. <laughs> i'm serious i mean I, yeah. you know if you if you get the right equipment that yeah. i mean it's not cheap i wouldn't say i mean to really take advantage of everything that it has to offer you know i used to get there's a there's you know those sort of arguments people have you know chevy ford this that it was kind of the same with do i get a quad or do i get a, a snow machine and it's like, well, the answer is both is, is what you need. In yeah. fact, I, I actually need worked out that I need one more thing, which is a quad with tracks, because the, this time of the year, there's probably not enough snow for a liquid cooled machine, but you could go through the crust of the ice and yeah. with your quad and then you're stuck. So having the right equipment is yeah. is a luxury is not a luxury actually i don't i don't uh, you know people say your toys this is 
probably what really makes the you know living here so rewarding yeah I think, you know, it's like to... it's like a necessity to have there almost if yeah if you want to do everything that this place for me anyway i mean i can't speak i mean there's lots of people here that i don't understand at all they yeah. continually complain about the weather i'm beginning to understand them a little bit more because the novelty's wearing off as i get older <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but you know i can't imagine that this is if, if you like your 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 urban amenities and stuff i probably say visit rather than plan to to pitch a tent here for good yeah um, yeah well yeah, i want to hear i want to hear real quick about your thoughts like you you mentioned like traveling and living in these different places and that um kind of helped you develop like an uh open-minded you know kind of personality like what is it about that like in your experience like what is it about just traveling and seeing all these different places and people meeting new people like well, how does that develop that mindset I think you get an awareness of, of, of how, I think I have an appreciation of difference. <laughs> you know, it's just, so I'll just laugh because I saw you swing your cat across the room there. And I'm saying, when you said you were, you were under pressure because your, your dad's watching this at the beginning, I was thinking I'm under pressure because I've got five cats and a dog who's whimping constantly. <laughs> yeah usually i i close the door and he like came in and now i feel i'm like oh man i'm just gonna try to see if he'll be quiet see. we'll see what happens well yeah but yeah man so yeah so i i'm yeah. just curious about that whole concept i mean like i say i i really love i, I really love what i got to experience when i was growing up um to be able to be immersed in different cultures to the extent that we were. I mean, you know, it was still a lot of Western culture, but I mean, say for instance, the, the, the experience of living amongst um, cattle herders in, 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 in the Alps between Switzerland, France and Italy at the age of four and having friends in the village and going to school and and just you know when you're that age you don't appreciate it but when you start to talk to people as you move through life not many people get to do that you know, you know what I mean I'm just like wow I'm so grateful that, that I've had those experiences and I think what it it does really it doesn't matter where I go I, I I'm always a little bit surprised how put it this way the idea of um how can I say without getting too political? Here comes my cat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the idea of patriotism seems wild to me because it's kind of like, you know, every country says their country is the best. Yeah. You know, it's just by the actual accident of birth that you belong to a certain geographical, you know, man-made geographical boundary. And, and it just, I just feel like, wow, there's so much more to just, I don't know, just exploring difference and celebrating it and, 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 you know, not seeing it as a threat and just, but I mean, now it's, it's nuts. Now you look at what's going on in the world and all the yeah. division and all the, you know, it's just like, it, it's, um, it's troubling, but you know, I think when you actually sit down and talk to people, yeah, 
And I think we've really lost the art of that conversation, having conversation. Uh, we're all tied to our texting and emailing and, you know, but actually sit down one-to-one -one and talk to someone. Because like I'll sit in the boat and I've had guys wearing MAGA hats. Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, if that's your thing, that's your thing for me as a mixed race, I mean, I'm half Nigerian and half Danish. Okay. So when I see these sim this, th these symbols, to me, it's an affront because of what it stands for. But, you know, I find that even that, you know, I've never really had a truly awkward moment. And we've even discussed some of these things in the boat, you know, and once you sit down with people, um, you know, and if you can keep an open mind and just not want to make the other person feel wrong if you know what i mean if you yeah. can have a conversation like that you can usually find some middle ground i mean we're all we're all people we all bleed we all laugh we all cry um and the ones i really like are the ones that fish too <laughs> well so that's and that's what's so fascinating is like you get to meet all sorts of people and i know what Dryden, Ontario is like, and some of the lakes are like, and you're meeting people in this like pristine, beautiful wilderness, free of distractions, really. Um, you know, like I, I can't imagine if you're out there fishing, you're spending your time on your phone, though I'm sure it happens probably to some people, but you're free of all these distractions. And like, I guess what you're speaking to is this idea that like, I mean, when you talk to another person, like you're going to find a lot more commonalities than you are differences. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to find them, I yeah. mean, you can do it the other way around. You can hold your position. Um, and really no, nothing really moves. Yeah. Uh, there was a really nice quote I read somewhere. And it was something like um, the conversations that I really enjoy are the ones that I enter into willing to come out a different person yeah so you know if you just take responsibility for what you're saying and doing and thinking yeah and i think you know when you've had a uh, when you have an open mind and it, like i say my, my sort of early experiences in life have i think blessed me with with being able to do that um, yeah. you know it's not difficult to get on with people yeah. having said that <laughs> Having said that, there is another quote. Okay. <laughs> yes. you. And that's the one, I think it's a Hemingway poem or something, part of it. And that's the one that says, it's not that I love man the less, but nature more. <laughs> okay. So, you know, that there is, there is, uh, there is something to be said for the solitude that you can find up here. Yeah. Um, and for me, living in a city that's what i think i, I really can't uh, get on with it's it's too much noise it's too much distraction um everyone's hurrying around so it's not that i don't appreciate being in a city i mean there's some wonderful sights and culture and, and what have you to see um, but i think for me just to be able to live rurally well and visit the city rather than the other way around dude i'm with you man <laughs> like that sounds so good. Uh, I, it's funny. I think you're speaking to like this intention to like go into a conversation, like with an intention to understand someone else's perspective. Um, yeah. and I know you do this whole like leadership through conversation kind of deal. And that's mm. like something you're really passionate about. 
Um, can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Um, because I do agree, like when you're online, people aren't going online with the intention to understand a different point of view, you know, like that's generally not what people are seeking from that experience. And the mm -hmm. more time people are spending online versus the more time with like face-to-face -face conversations and discussions, I think, uh, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of moving, like, it seems like people are moving away from this idea of like, Hey, like I want to understand, I'm curious about, you know, other points of view, I guess. And, you know, this, this is, a, 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 I'm trying to buy a book at the moment. I've forgotten the author's name, but it, it's entitled Curiosity. And you just mentioned curiosity. And I think, you know, having, being curious about things, genuinely curious about things is, is, has the potential to cure a lot of ills. I mean, if you go in with that curiosity, genuinely wanting to learn something, um, you know, it's, it's a it's a marvelous concept for me to wrap my head up. I mean, you know, you mentioned this conversational leadership stuff, um, and it, the thing, the project I'm sort of doing at the moment is an offshoot from conversational leadership. It's just something called a knowledge cafe, and it's exactly as you say. It's, it's about having conversations about topics with mat that matter with people who want to answer those those questions. Um, I'd really like to, to, to grow it so um, into something where we can create a space where you can, it's not too, so much of an echo chamber. Do, do, yeah. do you get what I mean? Yeah. Because at the moment I'm kind of cherry picking or drawing from places for participants in these conversations, which tend to be left-leaning for want of a, a, a better word, uh, or, you know, people who are at least open to the idea of something different. Um, but I find it really interesting to, to there's, a, there's a really cool thing in the Guardian newspaper, uh, an English newspaper, and it's a, a little weekly thing they do called Dining Across the Divide. And so they purposely match up two people that they know have a opposing, you know, either political ideas or what have you, and sit them down over a meal, and then they report back about about the meal. If you get a chance to, it's on the Guardian's free actually. It's a yeah. free newspaper. Yeah. Um, but I'd really like to see it as a tool to kind of, you know, re-engage in civic, civil, civic debate because you know it's. It, it seems just so toxic um, the way that people talk at or about each other. Um, you know, you only have to see the Freedom Convoy rolling through town here with, you know, on a truck. I have a marvelous picture on my uh, cell phone of, the, of a truck in the gas bar here with 10 foot letters saying F Trudeau, the, the prime minister. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, you know, what's happened to, 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 to sort of rational civil debate when this has become normal and acceptable to run? I mean, my kid's in town, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, well, that's a bad example. I well, there's not a lot of like nuance to that. Two words, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? There's not, the nuance is not there. The like, it's cut and dry, black and white. Like there's right. not the gray areas in there um, that bring out that, that come out when you actually would have a discussion with that person. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, exactly. And, and you hit on, you know, you, 
that sort of uncovering of of what's there it's the kind of surf you know when you're having this conversation i don't know if you've ever had one of those conversations where you just feel energized man yeah do you know what oh, i mean dude, this is why i do the podcast man. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so and 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 as you have these conversations stuff that you didn't even think could possibly come up do you know what i mean so what yeah. happens is while you're having these conversations you have this surfacing of, of ideas, you know, you have a surfacing of sounds cheesy wisdoms that, you know, perhaps you, you didn't know. And it, it's just, a, it's just such a great simple concept. Yeah. You know, just talk to each other. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Am I yeah. allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> step one, step two. Um, no, man. I, so I teach a leadership course at my school, um, my middle school. And uh, we watched a really interesting video online about, I think it was like a Ted Ed. I don't know if you've ever seen him, like the Ted Talks do like a shortened yeah. version. They animate it. Um, and it was talking about like the power of storytelling and the power of ideas. And basically it, 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 it like animates this, the idea of like people talking to one another and I'm having an idea. And when I'm sharing it with you, you're you're like it shows like their brains lighting up in that same area like whoa now i'm passing that idea along and then maybe you take that idea and turn it into something new or better and pass it along to another person and it's just this like beautiful thing that happens when people actually are talking you know and i think the thing that's that's kind of i don't know i i never want to like jump to the extremes of like kids these days are missing out on stuff, you know, but I see it at school sometimes where I'm like, man, like, I don't think I was a great conversationalist in seventh grade. So maybe it's just part of the developmental thing, but I'm like, they're not even having like the, the practice at it nearly as much because of, you know, just a different way of communicating online. And it's just interesting to me. I don't know. Well, no, I mean, totally. And I mean, you kind of every generation, oh, the kids today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Ward like, over here. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm turning into that old man I would said I would never turn into, right? And, you know, there's occasions that I, I hear my dad come out of my mouth and I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just said that. But, you know, things definitely have changed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think... You mentioned something about you know your development and i guess that includes your your upbringing and and what have you and certainly i mean i know your dad and he's a teacher so i mean you've got a firm foundation there um for myself both my parents were academics um so you know having those sort of i mean i was bored out of my mind sitting around the dinner table when I was when I was a kid I'm like and we weren't you know back then you weren't allowed to leave the table until everyone was finished and you were stuck there man and they were talking about anthropology and all this stuff <laughs> you're just like oh kill me now but you know what that exposed you know it's not it's not weird it was it's not weird to to to, to engage you know, do you know what I'm saying no it's it a human kind of, thing you know? Yeah, it was kind of normal for me. And, and when I think of it, you know, my, my kid, I'm guilty because I use his laptop as a babysitter. Um, that's where he is now as we talk. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just picked him up from school. Yeah. 
but you know, it was, we've had some, I mean, the kid is, is, is amazing. You know, you just get, you just actually listen to what they're saying that, you know, I've had, I've had theological debates with him on the way back from school, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, it's just having the, the time. I mean, I think everyone's under a lot of pressure, you know, everyone's running around at 3 million miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel, you know, it, it's, it's easy to say you should do this and you should do that, but you know, everyone's got their own stuff going on, but you know, so maybe, yeah, I think maybe just, I feel like somehow I'm doing something good doing the little projects that I'm doing. It gives me a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, for me in this podcast, like I'm always like, it's super cool that it's going out there and other people are like, I'm able to share like cool stories and ideas with, from the people that I bring on. But like part of it's also a selfish endeavor where I'm like, I just get to talk to cool people and I get to like take some of the ideas they give me that have like truly affected how I go about my day to day. Like, it's so cool, man. And I, I love the idea of the knowledge cafe and people just talking, just sharing ideas with one another. It's awesome. That's fun. Yeah, man. Well, and I, <laughs> you missed you mentioned food, like bringing people across the table, right? And like, you're going to have like uh, in in the Guardian, they have people come down and have a meal together, which mm. is awesome. Like a very human experience is kind of like a segue into having the conversation. And I always think about like Anthony Bourdain, like his travel shows. Mm -hmm. It always seemed like that was it. Like it was about food kind of, but it was mostly about you know humanity and like and it was based around people opening up over food but i'm wondering for you specifically it's like this happens through fishing which is another like very human thing i think yeah i, I fishing i because none of my family fish none of them it, there's not a fishing gene in in <laughs> in the family yeah I, in fact, I was just in London. My dad passed away, so I was in London just recently. Um, and I hadn't been back there, actually, since we moved here. And, you know, the, I, I found myself having the same conversations with my brother that I had when I was living in a more rural setting in England. Um, they're kind of, they're, they're in shock how I, you know, they make fun of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, because I'm this... Uh, I think someone even here called me a redneck and I wasn't sure whether to be proud of that or whether it was kind of a mixed emotion really because I was like wow I've really been accepted here I am this <laughs> half black English guy being told by a local guy that you are a redneck I was like that's pretty cool uh, but, <laughs> but anyway you know so my sisters they've lived in London all their lives my mum and dad my mum she kind of aspires i think to the idea of country living um yeah. but it's from a very sort of urban perspective um put it this way when she, she she's all for all this kind of um how should we say uh uh you know sustainable and eco stuff and what have you and i told her i'd gone out and we my son Jack and we shot a grouse and we were actually having it for supper with some chanterelle mushrooms that we picked on the way back home. Yeah. She was quite horrified that I'd killed something. <laughs> so, but I, 
<laughs> now there's something I don't hear every day. Can you there you remember? go. Um, yeah, so you know, she she was she was horrified that I'd shot this uh, grouse, um, and that kind of made me realise, you know, it's like. You know, when you're living in the city, you have a certain view of what it's like to live in the country, but I don't think you really understand. And that comment actually shocked me a little bit, you know, being how eco-conscious she is and everything, because really the, the chicken that she has in her fridge is pumped full of steroids and lives in a box. And here I, I thought she'd be so proud of me to, you know, the hunter forager, really getting back to nature. But so... I don't have a background necessarily that has anything to do with rural living. Most of my life is spent living in the city, yeah. uh, albeit different countries. Um, so I don't, I don't really know. But I mean, I can remember driving through Italy and they have these things called Lido's, which are swimming pools. And uh, but they're actually carved out of the land. So they're carved out of the rock and it's natural water in there. So there's fish in there. So I'm like three. And I can remember being fascinated by the fish. That's I mean, I'd swim, but I was it was all about the fish. And I remember one day I it's probably Dr. Freud would have something to say about this little maneuver. <laughs> but I can remember I went down to a dock. I wanted to catch a fish and I found a piece of fishing line and I got a hook and I was dangling in it and I couldn't, obviously I didn't catch anything, but I found a dead fish lying on the water. And I can remember hooking it through the mouth with the hook and taking it back to my mom and dad and saying that I caught this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. But yeah, it's just something, you know, obviously when you get to 17 or whatever, you know, motorbikes and girls and lots of other stuff uh, happen. But I think I found myself, I mean, another side of my story is I went through a long period with, with some issues with uh, drugs. I was an alcohol and, uh, and ended up in rehab, actually. And that's how I ended up in the southwest of Devon. Um, you know, that was a real journey of, of self-discovery. I mean, you kind of, you know, when you hit all this stuff, you just kind of stop developing. So from the age of like 17 to 30, I was just high. You know, and so here I am suddenly thrust back into reality or a different reality. And, you know, it was trying to find things that I like to do. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I found it a real struggle because everyone, everyone was telling me that, you know, to, to, to be a normal person, you had to have friends, lots of them. <laughs> Right. So, you know, this whole thing about being popular. So there's me sitting there, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not popular. So, I, well, you've got to get out. You know, they tell you, you've got to get yourself out there. Um, but that actually gave me real anxiety. I, I was never really comfortable around lots and lots of people. So but I did it anyway. And for, for a couple of years there, I went out of my way. And I can remember this, this one afternoon I arranged a soccer match because I was, I was in love with playing soccer as well. I arranged a soccer match for all the boys and I made a meal for everyone back at my house. And I can remember sat there at the table thinking to myself, I wish they'd all just F off. <laughs> and it wasn't because I didn't like them. And it was at that moment that I kind of realized that I wasn't really, I, I actually really liked my own company i was comfortable being by myself yeah um 
it was just what other people thought about that that worried yeah. me and that epiphany moment is the moment that my fishing addiction was about to take off in a big way because <laughs> now I wasn't worried about spending time and having all these people but you know there wasn't a lot to do so I used to go we were on the coast so I used to grab a fishing rod at 10 o'clock at night after my shift in the call center because I was at university and I'd sit down there and and it just took off from there so by the time I met my wife and she moved over she was already a fishing widow yeah <laughs> because I was gone so yeah I mean that that fishing thing has been with me since my earliest memories and despite a hiccup in the middle there um came back like they say with lots of addictions you know you can give it up and then if you relapse you go at it twice as hard and I'm definitely going at the fishing twice as hard I'm <laughs> yeah obsessed. yeah well did you try like you know because it does seem like there's something with just like falling into a hobby you know that you can get kind of hooked to did you try other hobbies like what is it specifically can you pinpoint what it is about the act of like fishing that really kind of like drew you in or whatever i keep wanting to say hooked in and then i'm like that's going to be cheesy because of fishing and hooks and stuff <laughs> just all you have to do is just say excuse the pun excuse the pun no dad dad puns excuse real quick pun. <laughs> um that's an interesting question. I, I don't think it's one thing. I don't yeah. think, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's one, one thing. I mean, I remember somebody saying to me, um, oh yeah, you really like fishing because I can understand that because when you go out there, you really lose yourself. I think it's the opposite, actually. I, I really feel like I not find myself, uh, but I can be myself. You know, there's just, I don't really think of anything else other than what, you know, I, I think the new fad at the moment is mindfulness. Yeah. You know, being in the moment. And somebody was t telling me, explaining to me what mindfulness was. And I was like, <laughs> I'm way ahead of the curve because I practice mindfulness four or five times a week. <laughs> because really, you know, it's just being, it's just being in that moment and, that's it. There's nothing really else going on. It's slightly different when you've got people in the boat when you're doing it as yeah. a job because you have you have some considerations. But a lot of people warn me, you know, oh, you don't want to be a fishing guide because you're going to turn a pleasure into a, a job. Yeah. Um, and that actually put me off from – I'd had offers or opportunities to do it pretty soon after I, I, I moved here. Um, number one, I was pretty scared because there's a lot of pressure to catch fish. <laughs> That's true. Um, you have to like develop your spots, right? Yeah. And even then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even then. So, I mean, but I think, you know, it, it's the solitude. Um, some people don't find it exciting. I find it incredibly exciting. There's, you know, not... I go out on the same lake seven days a week sometimes on the in the summer and no two days are, are, are the same. You know, there's, there's so many different skills involved. There's so many different techniques. There's so many new things you can try. There's so many things. I mean, if you decide that you're bored, you can just sit in the boat with your phone if you yeah. want. Yeah. You know, you can, I can fish alone. I can take a buddy. I can go with my family. 
Um, my family don't really fish, um, but they do love coming out in the boat. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's about being outside. It's about, yeah, it, it, it's the whole package, really. I mean, I can't, I can't think of one negative thing apart from the cost. Yeah. <laughs> about fishing. You yeah, know, it's just, it's just such a pleasurable pastime. Well, and you get to eat good fish. Oh man, and I have to say this, man. Walleye is out of the lake in in Ontario. That is, I made a list of meals that I've enjoyed in my lifetime, like memorable meals or whatever. And that's like on the top of the list is just like mm. shore lunch or or grilling them up on the grill after like a day of fishing, fresh out of the lake. It is un like nothing can defeat it. It's unstoppable, you know. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, I think I, I, I'm hoping that people see it as actually a privilege more and more um, because we have a finite resource here. Yep. Um, and, you know, the days of being able to go back across the border, especially for a lot of the people I, I, I guide, and there was a lot of uh, <laughs> controversy here about them limiting uh people's uh limits for for keeping fish but i mean the idea that still to this day you can come somewhere catch your own supper and and cook it and live off the land and it's just it's just such a fantastic thing experience really yeah and it tastes so good like you say it just it's i can't i mean if i go to if, when i'm in a supermarket now and you go to that fish counter yeah it smells rotten yeah I can't yeah. touch it. No, like, man. It's like two hours fresh or nothing once you're yeah. up there. You're like, I can't do anything that's like that was, you know, killed like days ago. Like I have to have it now, you know? It's weeks, man. They're out in those trawlers. but They don't come back till they fill their quota, right? Oh, that's crazy, man. Well, so, okay. I want to hear more about like your experience with this specific place. Um, because like I mentioned, like when I was a kid, this was my first like wilderness experience was up in Ontario and there's just something special about it. I've talked to a few people on the podcast about, you know, the North woods and things like that. But, but I want to hear what you think. I, I, I think you mentioned something about like just being how it draws you into the moment and uh and mindfulness and stuff and i think about there's this song that i listen to um and I, this guy goes on this big speech before the song like it's a live song so he's talking to the crowd and stuff getting riled up and he's just talking about this this area that he goes to on his boat and like it's in florida or something and how people are like, you just go out there to escape reality. And he's like, no, man, I just, I go out there to like get back to reality in that moment. And mm -hmm. I just, whenever he says that, I think about like the wild places that are important to me. And I don't know, there's something about the North woods that it's just as like, I'm not like, I wonder if it's, if it's just, I, I don't know exactly like what it is about it. And I'm hoping you can kind of help me understand like, in your viewpoint, like what is it about that area that is so special and, and peaceful? Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm going to 
let you down because I really don't know the answer to that. I, I mean, I can only talk from for what I get out of it. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like you know, listening to your story there of the guy just just telling a story of going to his favorite place. Yeah, you know, I was I was I was thinking about that the other day somewhere. Yeah, I was. It was just the other day. I was. I was on the skidoo, driving, and I wasn't even going far. I'm just going down, down to Contact Bay here on Wabagoon Lake to fish for some crappie. This is like four days ago, and uh, it wasn't a particularly nice day. It had been pretty cold, but there was a mist across the lake. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I, I mean, it's just. I'm just, I, I stopped. I, I literally stopped this, this skidoo and I was thinking about setting up my, my GoPro camera and driving through the mist and everything. And I was like, you know what, just, nah, just chill and just take it in because I mean, it was just, it was just, just awe inspiring. I mean, I, and I was just like kind of chuckling to myself. I'm like, you lucky son. You know, I'm just like this. This is incredible. I mean, you, it doesn't get better than this. And you know, yeah. I mean, the, the beauty, the tranquility, um, just, just, just everything. It's just awesome, man. I mean, we, you know, we have a small forest here on our property, and I need to start walking in there more, and I don't. But every time I go in there, that kind it's like um it's like you walk into not that i've ever been in a padded cell okay but it has that kind of the acoustics change yeah. even do you know what i mean things yeah. kind of get muffled and if you stay still for a minute you can hear every bird and leaf and you know if you just stay quiet and stay still for five minutes and and the the sense of calm that I feel come over me in the, in in that moment is it didn't even compare, man. Yeah, that's I mean, and it is. It feels like really old, and like the moss. You're right. Like the moss, like makes it muffled. Like all the sounds. Like I don't know, man. It's there's just something magical about it. I don't know how to describe it. Maybe yeah, someday it's I'll magic. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, you're, you're totally welcome to come up here with your old man anytime. That's the plan. Yeah, we'll definitely be up there for sure. And uh, maybe we can we can work on the answer. But it, even if we don't find the answer, hey, no better <laughs> area to do research in, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I want to hear real quick. Uh, I don't know. You probably caught so many fish throughout your lifetime at this point. But I, you know, I always think about like the old man in the sea, you know, where he's battling the giant one or whatever. Like that's a classic fisherman's tale of battling the big one or whatever, you know. Um, is there any like memorable adventures that you've had uh, through this or misadventures? Misadventures are always welcome, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, well, I had a really great misadventure this um, this past summer um i've only just yeah i i had a misadventure here last year and it, it it involved a big fish i just started getting into musky fishing um and so 
I have a YouTube channel as well where I post up. I take a little GoPro camera on my head and I post these videos. I've been doing it for years. Um, so here I am, and it's uh, I'm on a reef with my walleye jigging rod. So it's probably about six pound test line with an eight ounce jig and a night crawler, and I get a hit. Yeah. It starts to run. I'm thinking it's a big pike. So long story short, so the wind is absolutely howling. It's about 25, 30 click wind. So I've got spot lock on the boat, but I'm, I'm trying to get this fish in and uh, I get it in the net and it's a 50 inch plus muskie, which is a big fish. Now I've got this on camera, do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. and I, and I, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. So I reach over the side to sort of like try and get the hooks out and everything. And as I went over the side, the fish like scared and it did a, a, a sort of jump thing, which made me sort of flick my head back. And I flicked the head strap and the camera off my head <laughs> into the lake. <laughs> so you lost my, it. Yeah, my brand new gopro hero nine <laughs> down into the bottom of the lake and what i hadn't realized as well is that in my excitement to do this the remote control for the spot lock had had been hit so i was now drifting so i didn't even know where i'd yeah well i couldn't that's i mean i just i didn't even have a point of reference to come back with a magnet and try and save the camera but <laughs> I think I was more I was more upset about losing that footage because that was pretty cool. Oh um, man. Oh yeah. My, that's my other my other my other great adventures, I, I would have to say um my dad was was from the Caribbean. Yeah. Um so even when I was young, uh, we went to the Caribbean a lot and I loved to fish. Um so I'd fish and so I've always had this fascination and excitement about fishing in the tropics um and more recently the last decade or so uh, my sister's married to an antiguan um so he has a house in antigua and we were meeting up there every year uh, for the last decade as a family sort of reunion once a year thing and they didn't really see me much because i was off and the buzz of standing by the ocean, especially, especially a warm ocean. And you just never know what's going to hit. You know, I've had, <laughs> I've had like 30 pounds snapper to, you know, six foot tarpon. Um, I remember dropping my rod in, in off the side of the rock and my wife freaking out because there was actually a small uh, four foot reef shark just sitting right there. And she was like, it's going to kill you. I'm like, probably more scared of me than I am of it. You know, it didn't mean here to but yeah you know this you can go on adventures um yeah I'm, I'm hoping to do it a few more times before i get too old because you know i used to be quite nimble you know like a mountain goat hopping across the rocks on the coast there but um that kind of it, you know as the bones get older you get a bit more limited but um <laughs> yeah it's you know i, I can't I've, I've had some amazing experiences through fishing just you know some the stuff you see, you know, I've seen whale sharks swimming under the the jetty at Torquay in England. I've seen manta rays when I was a kid in the 
Caribbean, I've, you know, it's just, you know, watching, you know, driving along a coast and, and seeing that there's pelicans fly, you know, holding over one spot and you've got your rod and you just try and find your way to that spot through the jungle and then hit into a bunch of uh, big snook, you know, I, that, I live for that stuff. That's yeah. just, that's just great for me. That's amazing, man. I think that's like a beautiful way to describe it for sure. Just, and you know, I just, I think something that I'm inspired by is the fact that you've chased your passion and you didn't let other people deter you when they were saying, Hey, don't turn your passion into your career. Um, you know, cause I think that's, I think when people are really chasing, like what they're like, what they what their true self like really wants to do in life. I feel like there's so many voices that pop in that are like this resistance against that. And even the idea of like someone like trying to just give you advice, like don't, you know, you might not like it if you turn your passion to career. That's like one of those things of resistance you have to overcome to like ultimately like find out what you want to do and like do what you are like kind of like called to do. And so I think it's super inspiring that you're, you're just out there doing, doing the thing that like brings, brings your soul, like passion or whatever, you know? Yeah. I definitely feel alive, you know, and, and thankful to be alive because, you know, there's, there's times when you're sat there going, oh my God, kill me now. You know, when you're sat in, in my other jobs that I do sometimes, but yeah. you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that it's completely my career. I can't afford it to be. I yeah. mean, it, it is very seasonal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think what the last three years of doing it has taught me is that I'm actually, uh, you know, not too in my own. I'm actually quite good. Yeah. Um, and, and that brings me, you know, that, that's, that's, that's something which, which makes me feel good. You know, when you find something, you think, you know what, I'm not actually, I'm not the world's best guy. I don't catch the world's most, the most fish in the world, but I can do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then the fact that it's, it's also something that I love doing. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, this is a no brainer, right? So, you know, going forward, watch this space. I mean, I, I don't know how it will develop. I've kind of got my, my toe in, 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 in the door or in the water or testing the waters, whatever they say. Um, but, you know, if I can work this more into, <laughs> into, a, into a living, um, that would be amazing. Um, because, yeah, yeah I, I can't think of a better way to, to, to expend energy uh for the most reward yeah one i'm sure people you guide like sense that like oh this guy really likes it like he's loving it right now you know yeah i i mean i hope so i mean that's one of the things i, I kind of when i'm when i'm in a there, there's so many different types of of sort of people that that come in the boat but i'd say you know that there's there's the ones that are focused on numbers you know, we want the most and the biggest and this <laughs> yeah. type only and da, 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 da. and that can be quite stressful. Um, but I, I just kind of feel like that when people are like that, they miss out on so much more. Yeah. Because it's that big. If you just chill out, man, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, just take a moment to take in. I, I don't, you know, I get it because you're spending a lot of money to come up here, right? Um, but even so, you know, it's just like chill, man. Just, just 
chill, breathe in the awesomeness of this place. Yeah. And you know what? You're going to get at least a couple of fish suppers while you're here. Hell, yeah. I invite people around. I don't actually like doing shore lunches because it's a pain in the butt. It really. is. It can yeah. definitely be a pain. <laughs> but what I found is a really good compromise is I tell people, um, well, look, you know, instead of doing that, I, li- I can see the camp where I work from, yeah. from across the lake. I say, it'll still be a shore lunch because it'll be at my house and I'll <laughs> drop you back at the dock afterwards. How's that? And they're like, sure. And you know what? I've made a lot of friends doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing man well well simon dude i i definitely want to have you back on the podcast for sure because there's oh, wow. some things uh that i wanted to you know just hear your thoughts on uh i know we we had a really cool conversation a couple of weeks ago just like when i was introducing myself um mm-hmm. and we didn't even dive into some of some of those those like bigger topics um i know i i, I was i was like frustrated because it was such a good conversation well the beginning <laughs> of such a great conversation and both of us were having to run off in different directions yeah. you, know? <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, you know it's not often that, that that you can that you meet someone out of the blue so to speak and, yeah and you can talk so freely so i really appreciated that yeah um, man well and i think that speaks to your kind of like open-mindedness and and willing like curiosity too you know um which is awesome dude so yeah this is going to be like a pause and then eventually maybe sometime next fall we'll do part two if that's cool with you i can hear about your summer adventures and and all that well i'll tell you i'll tell you whether your dad got the biggest one because they're coming up any minute now i think yeah man you tell me the truth see because i'm not sure if i'm like he might just spin the story where he's like yeah i i definitely i definitely caught the bigger fish for sure no to be fair though i have to give him props because he's definitely listening um i think out of all like when we've gone fishing he usually catches the bigger fish uh unfortunately that's how that's what happened and our biggest story is i think the biggest walleye he ever caught was like this crate and it's probably maybe i mean you would know more about like the science behind it but this storm front was moving in Oh yeah. And it was nuts, dude. Like huge waves. You're in the middle of the lake and you're just like, Whoa, like this is crazy. You know? And it's like the last cast out. You're like, we'll cast one more time and then we're going to head to shore. Um, and so he casts out and then he gets a huge walleye on the, on the line. As he's doing this, we see a, uh, like an airplane that lands on the water. I don't know. There's probably a name for those, but it's trying to land in this crazy windstorm and it's like it's nuts dude it scared me so much because it's trying to land and it's pulling up because it just can't do it and i was like whoa and he ends up pulling one in i can't remember how big it was he would tell you he'll probably tell you maybe add on a few inches or so um yeah but it was huge and then i just remember like we just had to get to shore as fast as possible we like found a random cabin and just sat underneath its porch. <laughs> so, wow, how old were you? Oh uh, man, I was probably in, I was, I would guess I was in high school or middle school at the time. Uh, yeah, it was quite the adventure though. Definitely something I'll always remember. So yeah, that, I was just about to say, you know, those sorts of the, the memories, you know, it's just priceless, man. Well, and that's why like, you know, for me, like it's been a big part of hanging out with my dad and, you know, getting to, know him at on a 
like deeper level, which is really cool. It's like a good opportunity for that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, dude, where can people find your, what's your YouTube channel? Uh, where uh, can people find your guiding service? Uh, well, this I don't, is, like, it's, like I said, I don't have the promotion part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I really suck at this. Um, I do too, dude. I do too. Um, you know what? I, okay. So they, they would have, cause I, there's a story behind even the YouTube channel. I'd never meant to have a YouTube channel, right? <laughs> never, never meant to, because yeah. all it was is, like I said, when I was living in England, I used to go, this is back in the day before YouTube even existed, I think. And uh, <laughs> um, what you'd have is fishing forums, kind of yeah. like MySpace. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so old school fishing forums, and people would post their reports of their days fishing. And when those point and shoot cameras, 20 years ago started coming out with video capability yeah instead of just posting pictures of the fish i was catching i'd post a, a pic a, a video yeah but the only thing you could i could i was using them was something called photo bucket okay i don't know if you've heard of that it's like one of the first image hosting websites made um but it was it would do video but it would take like 400 years yeah because anyway so somebody said use try youtube so i went to youtube i'd never heard of it before uh, i had to come up with a uh a, a part a, a name or something and yeah. like i said i had no intention of having a youtube channel um so i just put in a play on words for the vicious circle i spelt it v i s h u s c i r q u e l and i'm stuck with it <laughs> <laughs> so people think it's vicious squirrel which i thought would have even been a really cool name but unfortunately it's vicious circle spelt weird um, <laughs> so if you can find it good luck to you man i'm on there hey you're talking to like a bigfoot right now like you know <laughs> i get it i get the name thing you know <laughs> um and the guiding services uh they'll have to just call your dad at the moment Call, call my dad yeah call your dad tell him you can be my agent <laughs> call okay so if you want simon to be your guide you have to text me or send me a message online and then i'll call my dad and then my dad will give you simon's info or if, if you really if you want a, uh, an easier way you could call I'll, I'll plug the camp that i work for a little Perfect. bit as well called indian point camp Okay. And if you contact Jen and Nigel at Indian Point Camp, um, I'm, I'm sure I can find some time. Or if I can't, what I do a lot of, if I can't find the time, I'll, I'll put you onto some spots. No problem. Free of charge. That's amazing. They should test like when people call in just to like, like build you up, they should be like, oh man, he's out right now. I just, he's out there <laughs> catching like 32 inch walleyes. And then they're like, whoa. That's nuts. Well, you know, part of the, the that's the beauty of having a, a, a YouTube channel when I do record all this stuff because, yeah. you know, you do get days where it's slow. You, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, the yeah. fish are there and for whatever reason. But, you know, if people start doubting me, I'll go, I just text them six of my best catches in the last month from my YouTube channel. And it's like, there you go. Told you. Yeah, told you. You missed it, man. I don't know what to tell you. That was the fish's fault, not me. That was you didn't do what I said, and you know it's like <laughs> I 
as soon as you open that lunchbox and I saw the banana in there, it's like we're doomed. Have you ever heard that? No, man. What's that? There's a superstition about having bananas in the boat. Like you, if you have them, you're screwed. You're screwed. So I, I really upset this guy. I thought he think he thought I was deadly serious and upset that he had a banana in the boat um, because we weren't catching fish at that. The fish turned on. It was a spectacular day in the end. But we was, I was trying to find the interesting and funny things to kind of uh, mitigate the fact that we weren't catching too much because there's a lot of that. You know, you have to kind of entertain a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I came out with that story, and he was mortified. He he, he <laughs> thought that was actually the reason. And in fact, I had to show him. Uh, luckily, we had cell service. I had to show him a video done by another guy who's got a YouTube channel called Uncut Angling. And him and his buddy decided that they were going to dispel the myth of the banana in the boat. <laughs> and it's a really funny video because he sat in a, a, a big fishing boat, and it's absolutely filled to the gunnel with bananas and they're just hammering walleye hammering walleye so he, he he was okay in the end we caught a bunch of fish but that's genius dude that's genius well simon dude thank you so much for uh for coming on the podcast man i can't wait to to talk with you again sometime uh you know in the near future for sure awesome man well that that's that's fantastic it was i'm so glad i met you and when obviously your dad because that's how i got to meet you and uh, like I say, they're up in the next couple of, uh, well, a month only, really. Yeah. If you talk to him, tell him to bring his ice auger because we've still got two and a half feet of ice here. <laughs> yeah, he'll be psyched about that. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll text you if he gets a, if he gets a good fish. I'll text you the actual measurements. I'll take a sneaky picture and text you. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Also, <laughs> I'll tell him just to bring a bunch of bananas too. Oh, that'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks. All righty. That wraps up this week's show. Um, huge thanks to Simon for coming on. Uh, I'm excited. I'm hoping to uh, participate in one of his uh, knowledge cafes um, this weekend. So we're going to see how that goes. I'm, I'm super stoked for it. Um, and then hopefully one day I will be able to be up on the lake and have him teach me where all the fish are. That's my plan. Uh, <laughs> um, and let me tell you, like, once again, from my experience, the lakes in Ontario and fishing and catching walleye and catching northern pike, um, they, they've been some of my earliest adventure experiences and they've also been some of the most important when it comes to uh like hanging out with my dad and like understanding who he is and things like that so um love that area if you've never been up in uh ontario and and specifically like on the lakes up there i think they're i'm trying to remember like the geology i think they're like the shield lakes um could be wrong about that probably am wrong about that so i apologize they're just awesome lakes um, but if you haven't been up there uh i highly suggest that definitely check that out and check simon out while you're up there um you know try, try to get him as your guide uh i'm sure it would make for an amazing experience um so something i mentioned in the intro that we talked about was the idea of like what 
activities do we do that really like open us up to conversation? Um, and I think we mentioned like Anthony Bourdain's show where he's sitting down having a meal with somebody like having a meal with somebody that's going to open you up for conversation. That's what they always say. Like, that's why, you know, sitting down at a family meal is it's so much fun. And that's why um, or awkward. <laughs> right. No, but uh, that's why sitting down at a family meal um, allows people to actually like talk. I think it's super important to do. Um, and I think the other like other activities, you know, fishing would be another one. You're sitting there and there's no other distractions. Um, you're still doing something together, uh, but you're able to have this space where you're able to like actually communicate and actually like hear another person's point of view. Um, and I think that that helps build this open-mindedness and i think hiking is the same way i think running uh the way i do it which is not very fast <laughs> um but like running where you're able to talk to somebody is the same way like these are ways that you build not only like relationships with other people but this is a way that you build your understanding of the world because the world is like a complicated place it is so complicated. It's so complex. And if you just went around and you were kind of like stuck in your own point of view and everything you see is through, um, you know, your like limited experiences, you're not getting this like deeper understanding of this complex thing. Um, and I think having those conversations and like what Simon said, like leadership through conversation is important to like start to form a deeper understanding of the world. And and I think by doing these activities, you form that. Um, and I guess all of this is leading up to just the idea of, you know, when you think about human activities where you're able to talk for for hours and you know, bounce ideas off of each other. Generally, you're not thinking about like Twitter. You're not thinking about Facebook. Um, you're not thinking about any of the online stuff where you're not face to face. People are sending like two or three sentences um, at a time. Like that's not, it's not, people aren't going to those platforms to like really form an understanding about the world a lot of times they're going to those to seek uh confirmation on a viewpoint that they already have um and you know i i don't know i look at um when i've seen like online whatever arguments or whatever like when people are typing back and forth and i'm assuming furiously like ugh, like clicking buttons really hard um <laughs> When I'm like imagining them like da da like and then you read it and it's this argument online and it's just awkward to me because I'm like I don't think you're really trying to like settle the issue. I don't think I think people are trying to get their voices heard. I think getting your voice heard is important to a lot of people and it should be like we should all be able to get our voices heard. Um, but I also think understanding 
and you know having you know adult discussions with each other is also super important and i think simon's super cool like after talking with him a couple times like his open-mindedness and willing to just have the conversation you might not change his mind on an issue or a topic but he's willing to talk with you treat you respectfully and hear you out um and i think that's that's awesome and i think there needs to be more of that in the world like you know it's you know it's just it's just interesting to me like the whole social media thing like obviously it's helped me do this podcast for nearly five and a half years at this point you know like this is how i reach out to people this is how i communicate or connect with like potential guests or whatever for the show um but beyond that i'm like man like i don't know it's beyond that i'm like dude i don't see it's just funny like if i look at it i would see and you made a column of like benefits and then detriments at least for me i'm like there's probably a lot more detriments to it than benefits but maybe that's just me maybe i have a different perspective maybe i need to talk with somebody who sees that differently maybe i'm stuck in my own viewpoint there uh maybe i'm just old man ward right now uh (laughs) but uh but yeah so anyways very interesting uh super excited so we're at episode 298 um next week will be 299 and then 300 uh after 300 and if you're still listening this far um i'll i'm gonna repeat this in the next few episodes but after episode 300 i'm gonna take a couple months off of doing the podcast uh off of new episodes Um, as I enjoy adventures, uh, this summer with my eight year old and my five year old and my three year old, um, I am going to post replays of some of my favorite episodes every week. Uh, and then next fall I'll be back and we'll kind of like start new, new, uh, interviews and new conversations from there. Um, I'll talk more about in the future. Essentially it just boils down to, um, I want to make sure this summer with my kids, I have as much flexibility as possible. So if it's like a super nice day and, you know, it's a perfect day for like stand up paddle boarding or whatever, I don't want to not do that adventure because I had something scheduled at like 1130 during the day and they would prevent me from doing that. So I want to leave it really open. Uh, I'm a teacher. Uh, which I'm sure I've mentioned like 80 billion times on the show. Uh, but I had summers off. My daughter's eight. It's our last summer where it's just me and her while the other two are at daycare. Um, and I, I want to start kind of exposing her to some of these outdoor adventures. And I, to do that, I want to be as flexible as I can. So, um, that's kind of my reasoning. I'm going to talk more about it in the future though. Um, but we'll, like I said, I'll keep replaying episodes. So if you're new to the show, you know, we've done 298 of these things. Um, I'll post some of the older ones that I found uh, pretty cool or really interesting guests or things like that. So, all right, that wraps it up. We will talk to you all next week.